information you can trust, stories you can relate to, and tips and tactics you can apply on your next adventure. Hunting, fishing, camping, and everything in between. This is the Battle Mountain Podcast. This is a Battle Mountain Podcast from the archives. Today's guest is Aaron Tedford. Uh, we talk a little bit about the favorite part of elk hunting, solo elk hunting tips and tactics, you know, the difference between target panic for hunting and target panic for tournaments and the situations, as well as strategies to get over target panic. Uh, where does aiming fit into the equation? And what about backpacking alone do you like the best? Um, thank you guys so much for tuning into the show. Now, let's listen to Aaron Tedford. He was an awesome guest to have, and uh, I hope you guys learn from him as much as I did, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, this is uh, Aaron Tedford. Uh, I've been shooting tournament archery for 17 years and been hunting for, oh, about 14 years. Um, I just recently started shooting professional archery as far as uh, making a living at it and traveling Oh, 25 to 30 tournaments a year and uh, doing that. My brother does it too. So I just, uh, but my biggest biggest passion is elk hunting besides the, the target shooting and stuff. And I live in Great Falls, Montana, which is a really nice place to live for, for hunting. And, uh, yeah, just getting ready to go to Mexico on Wednesday for a, a big shoot down there. And then right when I get back from Mexico, I'll be at a, ASA 3D tournament. I get back Monday and then I leave Wednesday for that. Jeez. <laughs> Busy guy. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, cool. Well, obviously, I appreciate having you on the show. Um, I got to, I was fortunate enough to meet you in person in Vegas and, and uh, kind of hit it off and got to talk some hunting and everything like that. And yeah. I don't know, there's not much better than talking hunting with somebody else that has, that's as passionate about it as you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, Anything to do with hunting, bow hunting, right? I mean, I love rifle hunting too, to tell you the truth. So, kind of, kind of all of it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm a big proponent of going hunting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> however, however you really like to do it, awesome. You know, I just, I just love being outdoors, and I love fresh meat. Like, oh, it's just so incredible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I just actually got done eating some antelope tacos, and it's uh, <laughs> it's just the best. Oh, yeah. man, yeah, I understand you there. We have some antelope uh, that is in marinade right now. We're having steaks tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I think that if, if, I were, if I could shoot a 600-pound antelope every year, I wouldn't even shoot an elk. <laughs> I mean, really, that's how much I love antelope meat. It's, I think it's the best meat out there. And you got to shoot them early in the morning when they're not running, and uh, maybe during bow season is even better, but... When I, to me, antelope, I'll eat all the antelope before even the elk meat in our freezer. Absolutely. You know, and it's really funny because I agree. Um, I, some of the best steaks I've ever had have been antelope. Uh, however, just like you're saying, if you end up shooting them later on in the afternoon when they've been running and all that stuff, they taste a lot gamier than if you shoot them earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, my my wife's actually... She's a vegetarian and, and has been for, I don't know, ever since I've known her. And let's just say for 15 years. It's been, it's probably been longer. But uh, And I just she just recently started eating meat. And the only meat she likes is 
like antelope and deer and elk just because it's, uh, you know, it's wild, it's organic, um, all that stuff. And But she really liked antelope's her favorite too. And she was a vegetarian for, you know, like I said, a super long time. So That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, you guys will have to come hunt Wyoming because I shot four antelope last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the best year I've had on antelope is two. You can usually only get about a maximum two tags in Montana here, a doe tag and a buck tag, but... In most years, it's just usually only get about one tag. So yeah, yeah. Well, you're invited. <laughs> I sure would like to. <laughs> um, so you know, there's obviously you have a huge passion for archery. There's no you know shooting for 17 plus years and and coming from the the background that you have and then the journey ahead. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Um, but you know, you being so interested in elk hunting, what you know, what is it? What is it about elk hunting that that really excites you? Uh well, you know, that's a good question. There's there's a, there's a lot to that. Um, basically, what, my favorite thing about hunting, first and foremost, is getting out into the mountains. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Getting out to the mountains living out of a tent, living out of your backpack, living out of even if it's your truck or car or even a camper or whatever. It's just fun to get out in uh into the mountains and uh you know and and uh camping, having the fire and to me hunting is is fun and stuff but like the before the the preparation before and then and then when you're back at camp is some of the best to me some of the best memories. Um but obviously success is extremely rewarding and and stuff, and you get all the good meat and stuff. But to me, I just like getting out into the mountains, and uh, good exercise too. You know, yeah. So many of us can use more exercise than we get. So when the fall comes around, it's definitely nice. But uh, to me, yeah, it's just the, the the getting out into the mountains and you know, and, and spending time with uh, is with other with your hunt buddies is fun and all. But um, I actually like doing a lot of hunting by myself too. Mm-hmm. And I, I find I'm a better hunter by myself too. So um, even then, it's sure it's great and all to go out with your buddies. But I think the, my favorite style of hunting is hunting by you know by myself. Even if it's from my truck or uh, if I'm doing a short backpacking trip or something like that. So yeah, when you are <clears throat> when you're hunting elk by yourself, because as you know, um, you know hunting elk with people the strategy is quite a lot different than when you're hunting elk alone um you absolutely know, solo, solo collar and everything like that so um being you're more interested in hunting alone because I, I i generally hunt alone or i have my four-year-old son with me so obviously he can't quite call elk yet yeah you know <laughs> so um what you know what are some of the tips and styles and tactics that you utilize in order to uh, you know, hunt elk alone and, and still get within range and make it all happen? Well, uh, first, second, and third weekend, I mean, some people might say this is crazy, but just leave your calls at home. You know, I the, the elk we hunt around here seem to be pretty call shy or hit and miss when you start uh, blowing on cow calls and bugles. And I, I don't, I'm not a great caller. So I'm uh-huh. sure a lot of a lot of callers out there would probably say, you know, a good caller can always call an elk and stuff like that. But I'm not a good caller, and I know 90% of hunters out there aren't good callers. 
Yeah. Um, you know, hoochie, walking around the hoochie mama and pressing that <laughs> stuff, you know, it's, you know, it's not that bad, but what I'm saying is to that, to a point, you know, I think you just need to leave your calls at home and if the elk are around, um, ambush them. You know, if they're talking, get downwind with them, get downwind of them and, uh, you know, try and ambush them, try and maybe pattern them a little bit. I mean, they're really hard to pattern that time of year, but I mean, sometimes, you know, you might be hunting for a week and, Three mornings in a row, you you see them in the same spot, and that happens a lot. You know, try and try and pattern them a little bit, but the biggest thing to me is just trying to ambush them and stay out all day. You know, just you know, elk hunting is so hot in the morning sometimes, and then it peters off. They like the elk almost disappear. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they mm-hmm. don't disappear. <laughs> they're still there. Yeah, um, they're just bedded up or quiet. But if you can find them like that too, you know, if you find an elk from 9 a.m. or 10 a.m it's most likely going to be there until 5 or 6 o'clock the next evening. And I know a lot of people get in a hurry when they see elk, but the best time to take your time on an elk is during the middle of the day if you can find one. Um, Stalking it and getting close to it and figuring out a good way, maybe if it does get up to where you want to be, where it'll go, things like that. So Yeah. Staying out all day is a big thing. Um, Absolutely. Not, not calling too much, not bugling, stuff like that. Just kind of be a ninja out there in the woods. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When you are are looking for these elk um, and you're and you're trying to ambush them, are do you find yourself setting up on their way to their bedding areas, or usually on a way to water, or is it kind of whatever is most convenient? Yeah, you know, I. It's, it's kind of whatever's convenient. Um, I've I've ambushed a lot of elk that have been pushed uh, by other hunters that are kind of maybe where they've never been before and they're bedded up and who knows where they're going to go in the evening. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've done yeah. That, I've done that a lot where elk get into some odd spots only because they've been pressured. Um, but as far as ambushing elk that you can that don't have a lot of pressure and you're and you can pattern, you know, try and catch them in the morning when they're heading back to their bedding areas. And obviously that takes a lot of scouting and stuff to know where their bedding areas are. But, um, you know, it's elk hunting too. <laughs> you learn something new every time you're out there also. Yeah, and rarely, yeah, for sure. Yeah, very rarely does a plan come together. But when it does, it sure is nice. <laughs> I, you know, I, I always joke you. That's that's why they call it hunting and not killing, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, most of the time you're killing a bunch of time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's it's great, but you know, you know, my biggest, you know, what I, I always do is elk hunting. You might get a long ways away from the truck, and but the truck is always so inviting in the middle of the day to go eat lunch, to take a nap. So a lot of people go back to the truck, and I've I've always gone back to the truck. Um, not always, but like in the past, I have, and it's always such a pain to get back out of the truck and go back for an evening hunt. There might be a couple of huge mountains in the way, or big hills, or or whatever. So basically, mm-hmm. we, you know, it's always such a pain. It's always such a pain to 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 leave the truck again. So what I started doing is like bringing the comforts with me. So I like I always hunt with a hammock. And like, I, and always have like an extra jacket. So when I'm out hunting, I'll eat my lunch out there, and I'll hang a hammock. And if nothing's going on or I'm not seeing any elk or whatever, I'll hang a hammock out there uh, from 
11 o'clock to 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's the best sleep you'll ever get. You know what I mean? You're hunting hard all morning, and you eat your lunch, and you put your jacket on. If it's maybe a little chilly and lay in your hammock, it's awesome. Uh, That's a really good idea. Yeah, and, ha- you know, hammocks don't weigh much. And another great uh, thing about a hammock, too, is if you hunt alone um, and, and kill an elk, then you can hang your hammock. And it's a really nice spot to, as you're quartering that elk, to lay, you know, the hammock I have is, uh, it can take 400 pounds. Um, So if you quarter an elk, you know how hard that is alone. And it's so important to keep that meat clean and out of the grass and out of the dirt and whatnot. It's nice you hang your hammock right near your elk and you can lay your quarters in the hammock. Um, That is super handy. Yeah, and it'll hold all the quarters, you know, no problem. Um, it keeps everything really clean, and you can leave it there all night because you know, like everybody wants to get be done when it's dark, so you don't have to put it in game bags. Just lay, and then it's a really nice way to get your meat cool if you're going to come back for it the next day, get it off the ground, obviously. But it's just super easy to do it that way instead of throwing ropes, hanging in branches, things like that. I mean, or you can hang, you know, you can put quarters in low branches, but um, the hammock is is actually a really awesome tool. Yeah, gee, you know that it's so funny that you bring that up because that's something that I and I assume a lot of listeners would never even think of is is bringing a hammock not only to utilize to be comfortable but also to hang meat. I mean that's because like you say, there's nothing worse than getting home and having to clean meat excessively. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's just uh, it's nice to have the hammock. I know uh, during rifle season stuff when it's really cold out, it's it's hard to lay in a hammock because your back gets really cold because you're just, you know, you're surrounded by the cold air. So when I want to keep meat clean and that and and, and stuff, I bring a, an emergency blanket, you know, those really light, like, uh, I don't know, they kind of look, they got like the the, reflective material. Yeah, like the tinfoil looking stuff. Yeah, and they're orange on the outside. They're like $4 at, or $3 at, at any store. Uh-huh. Um, I bring one of those out. And I'll lay it out kind of as a tarp, and like I shot a deer this year, and that's what I did. I I quartered it all and stuff, and deboned it, and that's that's what I brought for kind of a tarp because it was kind of in some sagebrush country. But I'm kind of real like I have a few buddies, and like you know, obviously when we're all young and stuff, you kill stuff, you don't really think about how dirty the meat gets because you just take it to the butcher and you get back perfectly packaged meat and stuff. But uh, when you start uh, butchering your own meat which I don't really do, but when you when you do start butchering your own meat or when you get to know a butcher or stuff, the biggest problem with meat is is when it comes in dirty. Mm-hmm. So that's just so important is to keep your meat clean. Yeah, for sure. And those are the, the two tips that I've never heard of. I've heard of using Tyvek, um, you know, like siding for house Tyvek. Yeah. Or, yep. or uh, <clears throat> obviously, you know, trash bags or tarps. But the hammock idea is really – I just – I was kind of blown away when you said that. I was like, that is freaking smart. Like, yeah. yeah. Really good yeah. idea. Yeah, any hammock, you know, most hammocks, I should say, I guess, you can just put in the washer right when you're done. And, and uh, yeah, it's it's worked out perfect, so. That's awesome. So, so now that, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, elk hunting and some tips and all that kind of stuff, so now you have the elk – You've you successfully 
made the ambush. The elk is at 38 yards, and you're about ready to draw back, and your target panic kicks in. Because um, <laughs> that's what elk induce. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it, first off, I guess, in your opinion, is target panic different in hunting situations than in tournament and target situations? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, so basically, when I, I have, I've fought and still fight target panic every outing I have my bow. There's not a minute I'm not fighting it or training against it or or trying new tools to fix it um, or whatever. So I have I have horrible target panic. And I think a lot of people do, most people do, um, have some sort of target panic. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, elk, elk induced like this knees shaking, buck fever, not thinking <laughs> straight. I mean, that type of target panic where you can miss by feet. Uh, I mean, I've done it. I miss. I I miss every year. I, there hasn't been a year that's gone by where I haven't missed an elk or a bear or both. I mean, one year I missed a bear and three elk. I laugh because I do the same thing. So yeah. So I mean, every year, you know, I miss something. It, it, and I'm not talking excessive yardage or anything. Um, just normal situations. You get really amped up and you don't see branches that. <laughs> that are right in front of you or you forget to range it or you think you don't need to range it because you think you're you can guess it which is so ridiculous because i can't guess anything but but anyways yeah and and target archery uh the kind of target the pan, target panic and anticipation i get a lot in target archery is um basically is aiming low not being able to aim steady in the middle I can aim like uh, a, a good example is last weekend. I was in Cincinnati for NFA Indoor Nationals, and I'm, I shot 120 X's to make the shoot off. So there was 15 guys to make the shoot off, and uh, we all tied for first. And anyways, and we shot five X's for the first round, which was really nerve wracking actually because I I didn't want to miss an X because the guy who misses the big X. Anyways, sorry, sorry, Lewis Holmes. He's the one who missed the big X. But anyways, the guy who misses the big X has to go home. He's usually the only one to go home early and, and is eliminated first. But then it goes to inside out, inside out scoring. Uh huh. And what the minute I stepped up to the line, I knew my target panic was going to be bad. And uh, my dot every shot, I was aiming. Oh, barely above the blue. And you can and they all went there in the middle and stuff, but it, it was it was some of the worst target panic I've ever had. And I got I didn't get lucky, but because I I know how to deal with it sometimes when it comes up. But I yeah. Mean, so I made it past that round, and eleven guys got eliminated, and then I ended up third place. But um, target panic is. It can really ruin like a lot of archers. I shoot a hydraulic release uh-huh. lately, and uh, that's helped me a lot. I've I've tried evolutions, which are the Carter evolution, which has helped a lot of people. Um, I've had a lot of success with that in training. Um, I haven't had any success with back tensions. You can punch those just as easy as a trigger to me. So, but yeah, I, 
But as far as when an elk steps out, um, I don't care. Like, for me, I can shoot, you know, tennis ball-sized groups at 50 yards, uh, dime-sized groups at 20 yards. But when an elk steps out, I mean, I, the poorest shot I've ever made on an elk was at 16 yards. Uh, yeah. Because I was so excited and my knees were shaking and he was bugling coming in. All my pins hit him and I just, I don't even know if I was looking for my peep. My bow just went <laughs> off, you know what I mean? And, uh, I do. I know exactly what you mean. So, I mean, I shot him high. It hit him, in, it double lunged him high, but it was a horrible shot. I mean, it, I should have took the top of his heart off, you know, with that at that distance. You should always you just shoot him in the heart or whatever, but no, I mean, it was it was just a poor, poor shot. Don't know if I was looking through the peep. Just way too excited. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> Uh, the, the same thing kind of happened to me this year. I drew back on a on a pretty big bull, 340, 350 bull, and uh, oh, yeah. and I drew back and I hit my back wall, and I started settling my pin over his kill zone, and I flinched. And when I flinched, my bow started to cam over, so I went to come back to full draw. And in the process of getting back to full draw, I punched the trigger and barely went my arrow. And so I understand. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I've had. Like basically the same thing happened to me. I mean, I missed I missed an elk last year even. Um, I it's just it's just crazy what a live elk does to even somebody. Like even even you can practice targets all day long and go out there and, and it's this huge animal and sometimes you miss it. It's just crazy. But I mean that's why we elk hunt because it's so exciting and yeah and so it's fun. But it's pretty frustrating sometimes too when. <laughs> <laughs> you can sit there and like practice all summer long, and then when it comes down to it, you know, to me, you only usually I only get one or two chances a year, and when you mess one up, it's really disappointing. <laughs> yeah, that is that is for sure the truth. So, you know, that that's that's interesting to hear that the target panic is different. You know, as far as uh, you know, not really different, but like a a different, I guess, sensation or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, it's at different through. levels. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's at different levels. So, you know, what what are you doing to to minimize? I know you'd mentioned the hydraulic release helps out, but what you know, are you, are you doing any telling yourself anything mentally or any other strategies that you're having that really helps you out a bunch? Uh yeah, you know, um. Target panic is, is a tough thing to get over, and everybody goes through it. Uh, the, some of the biggest things I did when I was young, and I thought they worked, and I, I guess that's all that really counts is if you think it works and it starts to work, then that's really all that matters. But when mm-hmm. I was young, you know, I would shoot a lot of blank bail and uh, not aiming at all, just shooting a blank bail and getting comfortable with your shot. And then, then you put a target up and you kind of try and read <laughs> what you just did on a on a blank bail. But as I got older and stuff and more pressure and you get into these bigger tournaments and stuff, um, obviously the target panic would get a lot worse and it would get to the point where you would train for a tournament for two months. Let's just say Vegas, for instance, you would train for that for two months and you'd step up to the line and you would literally feel like you'd never practice the day in your life for what you're about to do. Shoot mm-hmm. your first, shoot your first three arrows in Vegas. And 
I went through the whole shooting 899s, 898s in Vegas, um, and I still have never shot a 900, but it, and Vegas is one of the worst tournaments out there for everyone. But you step up to the line and you feel like, you know, I've, I've, I've never practiced for this. I, only, I feel like I don't even know what I'm doing. So yeah. you, go back, you go back home, and I guess the biggest thing you can do and I've tried to do is uh, just trust your shot is the biggest thing. And knowing that if you make a good shot and you're aiming in, you're aiming in the middle, it's obviously going to go there. Now, I know aiming in the middle is extremely hard to do when you're shaking, but um, I think it was George Riles once said, if you, or he said it just recently. I just thought he said this. I just, or I just saw that he said this. If you're going to shake, shake in the middle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't don't shake low. Don't shake high. Uh, you know, don't let your target panic. Let make aim low and stuff like that. If you're going to shake, just shake all over the middle. You know what I mean? And if you mm-hmm. make a good shot, most likely it's going to go there. So that's something really important to remember is to trust your shot, shake in the middle, and uh, and basically, you know, the nerves too. When you get nervous, good things usually happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so don't don't basic don't be scared of the nerves because I don't know. Whenever I get nervous and my heart starts beating really fast, it's it's usually because something cool or exciting is about to happen. So you should kind of just embrace it and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, target panic is definitely one of those things that can ruin you of archery. You yeah, know, it oh, just yeah. makes it so unenjoyable that, yeah, it's yeah, great. Cause I, I, w- I went through a rough patch with it, and I went from being able to shoot, like, a six-inch group at 80 yards to hitting three feet low at, like, 50, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know another thing, too, is to – is to take your release and go down to the range, and I know how like horribly boring this is and stuff, but is to load an arrow and draw back and aim right in the middle without any intentions of shooting it. And you'll aim so steady, and the pin will just sit right there in the middle because you know your thumb's not even on the trigger or your index finger's not even on the trigger or whatever, and you'll aim so steady it'll shock you. Um, and just do that, let down. And do it again, let down, and you keep doing it and letting down, and then maybe do it ten times and then shoot one arrow, and maybe mm-hmm. go out, maybe go out to the range and only shoot ten arrows, but you drew your bow a hundred times or fifty times. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that that takes that's really boring. That takes a lot of dedication, but that is a that's a huge thing too. Is is uh, practice aiming, and you'll you'll realize how steady you are capable of aiming in the middle, and it really gives you, I don't know, it gives you a lot of confidence when you do decide to make that shot. So. Absolutely. <laughs> For sure. That's And that and confidence in your shot is just so dang important. It's, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, Without yeah. confidence, you're just really left nowhere when it comes to well, I mean, when it comes to a lot of things, but especially shooting a bow, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta really you gotta really trust it, and uh, you just gotta trust it and know that your arrow is gonna go where your dot or your pin is. You know what I mean? It's it's a machine, and if it's sighted in, that's what it's gonna do. 
if you make a, a halfway decent shot. It doesn't even have to be a perfect shot, you know. Yeah. Yep, let the bow do its job. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, as far as target panic goes, where, you know, where does, where does the, the skill or art of aiming fit into the whole grand scheme of, you know, target panic and, and follow through and shooting your bow and basically the whole thing? Yeah. Now, uh, well, you know, one of the thing is, is with target panic. I have really bad target panic, but luckily, I'm a decent aimer and I can hold uh, fairly steady. And and this sounds insane to a lot of people. And I guarantee you, if I told, if I I don't care what I did, if if I told a group of a hundred kids that I shoot a 10 power lens or an eight, even an eight power lens, every coach on this planet would say, that's stupid. Don't do that. <laughs> that will give you worse target panic. Mm-hmm. But, that, but that's what I do. I do shoot indoors when I was shooting, a, when I took third last weekend at nationals, I was shooting a 10 power lens. So, and then the weekend before that, when I was at an ASA tournament, um, I was I was shot an eight power lens. Um, but basically, my whole mindset on aiming and and shooting in general is is a lot like uh, shooting a gun um, or you know basically a rifle, a long range rifle or something. I mean, the I don't, when you're when those guys are shooting targets and stuff, I mean. They have extremely high power scopes, so they can aim smaller. And you know, like everybody says, you aim small, you miss small. And I kind of think that's—I I think that's totally accurate. And the only way to aim small is zoom in the target as close as possible. That—that—that's clear and that you can see. Mm-hmm. To me, a, to me, a four-power lens. Let's say you drift out of the X. Let's say your dot drifts out of the X with a four-power lens. Um. Your brain or your eyes don't register it until you're until you're quite a ways out of the X. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it takes it takes a little bit of um, really small, but a little bit of muscle and movement and stuff um, to get it back into the middle. And you might drift out to the other side. But what I'm trying to say is, basically, if you can get if you can zoom in as close as possible and you're capable of aiming steady, you might as well because you can train your body to aim really really steady. I mean, it's like anything else. It takes a lot of time to get used to and stuff, but um a lot of people will put in a 10 power lens or an 8 power lens and be like, "I can't I can't aim. I'm shaking everywhere." Well, yeah, I mean it it takes time to get used to it, but aiming is is you're using muscles when you're aiming. And when you're aiming steady, you're you're basically you're 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 in perfect sync with your muscles, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um and that takes a lot that takes time and practice. But some people think, well, if they can't aim steady right away then they'll never be able to aim steady. But that's that's not true. I mean you can uh anybody can train and aim steadier. So but like I said, to me it's just all about, you know, it's more precise. With a higher power you can see more, you can see closer and you can fix your you're drifting and stuff before it's too far, too far out, or whatever you want to call it. 
Yeah, no, and I agree. I, I, I'm on the opposite side of you. I've only ever hunted. Um, however, I've shot a lot of the, you know, at targets, just never in actual tournaments other than like 4-H archery. And I could definitely see the benefit of having a target like blown up basically in your face right. with an eight power lens because just like you're saying, when that dot moves halfway across the X, you already notice it as opposed to not noticing it until it's all the way completely out of the tin ring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, to me, I mean, and and, and, and right now, <laughs> if you asked a hundred other coaches, they might agree, but they would never ever coach it because they would just never do that. Because also, high, higher power might well, yeah, it will or might make a lot of people more antsy and maybe create even more target panic maybe than they had. But. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's really no perfect setup as far as it, when it comes to aiming and holding steady, but um, I do like the higher power. To me, it's more relaxing knowing exactly where I'm at, and to a lot of people, that's not relaxing at all. That creates a lot of anxiety and then makes them shake worse. But, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's I I'll always I'll always shoot like that. So I like when I go to Mexico, I'm shooting a feeder tournament. At uh, 50 meters, I'll have a 10 power lens in, and everybody else will have a four or a six power. And uh, but we'll see. I mean, there's no there's no perfect setup. It's just a lot of uh, you know people's uh, feel and opinion and stuff too. But oh yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, some of you guys like Nathan Brooks uh, on the 3D course. A lot of years he would shoot no power as far as he'd just shoot an up pin. And uh, and he would just, you know, he would really shoot really good and win some tournaments and stuff. And um, for me, on the 3D course, I like to, you know, it's so hard to already see what you're aiming at. So I wanted to I want to bring in that target as close as I can. But, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I, I, I would like, I would encourage people to try it. But and don't be discouraged when you can't aim in the beginning, but you will get better. Yeah. Absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. There's no harm in trying something new. It it may make you better. Who really knows? Tell you, tell you like you say, until you try it. And that's that's why there's so many different things out there because no one person's combination is going to work for everybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's an identical setup out of the 3,400 archers in Vegas. I really don't think there's an, any identical setups. You know what I mean? They're all. Yep. I agree completely. All different, so. Yep. Yep. So when you are, you know, you mentioned a little bit about how you really like, uh, you know, backpacking, and, and that was kind of your favorite part about hunting is just being out in, you know, the outdoors and, in, you know, away from things. And yep. So, you know, you you had told me that you backpack in the summertime, and it's kind of a different feeling uh, than when you're hunting. But you say it also, you know, helps you feel more prepared and stuff when it comes hunting season. So why don't you kind of talk a little bit about that and kind of your your thoughts and your logics behind it as, as well as what about it is just so enjoyable. Uh, yeah. Um, me and my littlest brother, Adam, he, uh, I have a lot of brothers and sisters. <laughs> I, I, actually, I have four brothers and two sisters. But anyways, cool. yeah, uh, my littlest brother, Adam, 
he loves the backpack too, and he's never hunted in his life. Uh huh. And so basically, uh, it's it's fun to get together with him and and go do what he does. That way, go do what he lives for. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, but anyways, so basically, the whole reason it's so fun to go backpacking and stuff in the summertime is hunting. We all love hunting. It's great. But there's a few things about hunting that sometimes aren't so great. Let's say, for instance, when your alarm clock goes off at four in the morning, that's that that's not fun sometimes. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> or when it's. Uh, zero degrees or even or even 20 degrees sometimes it's just really cold and it, that's not very fun either or uh sometimes it's it's dark when you're hiking in and then it's dark when you're hiking out and um and when you're looking for something and you're not finding it sometimes that's really frustrating and anytime it gets really frustrating sometimes it's not as fun as you hope so one thing about backpacking is is well here's the the one thing another thing is when you're hunting too you have so much gear that is is for hunting or when you harvest something. You know what I mean? You got mm-hmm. your gun, your bow, your knives, your game bags, all that stuff. And that's all weighs a lot. <laughs> so yeah, that's no the, kidding. The nice thing about going out because you know everybody enjoys the mountains, but everybody hunts when they're when they're in the mountains, or you know a lot of people hunt and when they're in the mountains and they enjoy it. But what I'm saying is when get out there and enjoy it before hunting season because it's, it's totally different. You don't have to carry a gun. You don't have to carry a bow. You don't have to carry game bags or knives. You don't have to wear camo. Um, that's a whole other thing I, I'll tell you about is the way I feel about camo and these the overpriced camo these days. <laughs> but anyways, um, it's nice to sometimes just go out hunting or uh, hiking, backpacking, and basically the only thing that's on your mind is a distance. So you have a goal to get to point from point A to point B. Um, and you can wake up at 7 or 8 in the morning, have coffee, have breakfast. You can talk loud. You can be loud. You can, you can kind of just really enjoy everything about the mountains without worrying about scaring away the elk or worrying about being downwind or looking for elk or, or, all, or freezing or, or whatever you want to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really nice. I, I enjoy, I enjoy backpacking so much. Um, you know, like I'm not going to say more than hunting, but it's, it's just right up there. I just enjoy it so much that it's, uh, but it's, it's totally different, but it's, um, and then another thing about backpacking is, is there's hunting. You're off the trail all the time. Most of the time you're bushwhacking there and, uh, climbing over timber and, uh, fallen timber and, and all that stuff, and that's mm-hmm. kind of frustrating too. But the cool thing about backpacking is, is you can cover some serious ground too, because you're on nice groomed trails, and uh, that's nice too. Because I mean, a ten mile day backpacking is really nothing. Um, a ten mile day hunting is huge. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not very hard to walk three miles an hour on a trail. Um, walking three miles an hour without a trail or bushwhacking or whatever you want to call it is is miserable. It, that's really hard. You know what yeah. I mean? That's a lot of work. So, And then another thing about backpacking, too, is some of the scenery. Uh, I do, We did a big trip and a big through-hiking glacier last year, and we didn't see hardly any animal, animals. We saw some goats and stuff, but 
the the scenery where we were was just insane. I mean, there was no elk around. There never would be, but um, some of the scenery, some of the, you know, when you're crossing some of those passes and, and uh, or if you scramble to the top of a peak or, or whatever, or some, you know, the, the, out, the big alpine lakes and stuff, I mean, or in just the scenery is insane. And you don't catch that a lot. Um, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. You see a lot of great stuff hunting, but, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you're concentrating on the animals and stuff so much, you don't take the time to enjoy some of that stuff. So Yeah, and I think, too, backpacking, <clears throat> while you don't have to take as much gear as when you're hunting, but, I mean, what a great time to test out a new sleeping bag or a new tent or a new stove or something oh, yeah. like that that you depend on 100% when it's 10 degrees, but when it's 50 degrees at night, you know, if it doesn't work as well as you would hope, it's not near as bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, you know, and then that's a good point. You know, you can you can test out your new air mattress or uh, sleeping pad or, yeah, like you said, some some boots too. You know, that's a big thing too is breaking in your hunt boots during the summertime is so important. Um, uh, testing your socks and down to the smallest thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Boots are just, gosh, boots are so important. And having them, like you say, having them broke in is is the difference between making or ruining your hunt, without a doubt. Cool, cool. We covered a ton of good stuff. You know, we really did. I I really appreciate you hopping on the show tonight and talking the hunting side of archery. Um, Yeah, yeah, no problem. I, uh, I enjoy it. 